Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair and it's good to have you here on Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio podcast. Give this a shot. We're talking about health, nutrition, all things vitality. Today we're going to talk about a wide range of things, everything from our ventilators working for COVID-19 to how to plant a garden on in your house, not on your house. Well, maybe you could do it on your house too. I got all kinds of good stuff for you today. If you're listening to the podcast, thanks for finding me. I would sure appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts and a review. That will help get the word out to more people. I've got a great guest coming in about 20 minutes. And so because I already recorded with her and I know how long that is, I know I have to keep my rant short. And now it is time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smokescreens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right, what's all this hype about ventilators? You may have heard the bickering between Trump and Cuomo about not enough ventilators in New York and all this stuff. Ventilate, uh, companies that were making cars and electronics are churning out ventilators now. These things cost something like thirty to $70,000 a piece. They're not cheap, and they are sometimes life-saving, but... There's a lot of hype about ventilators when it comes to COVID, and I wanted to dig into the science of what we've learned so far with ventilators. So let's get into it. A mechanical ventilator pushes oxygen into patients whose lungs are failing. Using the machines involves sedating a patient and sticking a tube into the throat, intubating. Deaths in such uh, sick patients are common, no matter the reason they need the breathing help. Generally speaking, though, 40 to 50% of patients with severe respiratory distress die while on ventilators, experts say. But 80% or more of coronavirus patients placed on the machines in New York City have died, according to city officials. So that's almost double the number of deaths from uh, ventilators being used on COVID patients versus ventilators for any other severe respiratory distress. Some health professionals, in fact, have wondered whether ventilators might actually make matters worse in certain patients, perhaps by igniting or worsening a harmful immune system reaction. Now, that's speculation, but experts do say ventilators can be damaging to a patient over time as high-pressure oxygen is forced into the tiny air sacs in a patient's lungs. Now, I brought this to you before, so I uh, don't want to... 
go over it too much, but we have to understand that COVID-19, once it gets into the lungs and starts causing issues, it specifically plays in those tiny air sacs that it's talking about. And so there is concern that the ventilators may be overstressing an already stressed area. There's a uh, pulmonary critical care doctor uh, in New York who told NPR that while ventilators worked well for people with diseases like pneumonia, they don't necessarily also work for coronavirus patients. She said that most coronavirus patients in her hospital system who were on a ventilator had not recovered. She added that the coronavirus does a lot more damage to the lungs than illnesses like the flu, as there is fluid and other toxic chemical cytokines, we call them raging throughout the lung tissue. That's her quote. We know that mechanical ventilation is not benign, says Dr. Eddie Fan, an expert on respiratory treatment at Toronto General Hospital. One of the most important findings in the last few decades is that medical ventilation can worsen lung injury, so we have to be careful how to use it. But Increasingly, physicians are using uh, ventilators across the country and across the world for this, but I'm going to focus just on America. And now some are starting to wake up to the fact that this could be a problem. Now, I saw a video, maybe you did too, it went viral on Facebook and YouTube uh, a couple of weeks ago with a doctor uh, in New York specifically saying that he thinks the ventilators are turned way too high, that they need to be used on the lowest setting if they're used at all. So this has been starting to surface over the last couple of weeks. And of course, with COVID, this is all very, very new. They call it a novel virus for a reason. We're still learning. Increasingly, physicians are trying other measures first. One is having patients lie in different positions, including on their stomachs, to allow different parts of the lung to aerate better. Another is giving patients more oxygen through nose tubes or other devices. Some doctors are experimenting with adding nitric oxide to the mix to help improve blood flow and oxygen to the least damaged parts of the lungs. The ventilator is not therapeutic. It is a supportive measure while we wait for the patient's body to recover, says Dr. Roger Alvarez, a lung specialist with the University of Miami Health System in Florida. But get this, in the Balearic Islands, there is a medical center in the country who is using alternative therapy for treatment, and they revealed that it has seen improvements in patients over, after just two or three sessions. In a press release, the clinic said, many patients who were about to be intubated and connected to mechanical ventilation have, thanks to ozone therapy, not only avoided it, but improved to the point of not requiring oxygen within just a few short treatment sessions. Using ozone to disinfect and treat conditions improve the body's intake and use of oxygen and activate the immune system. The therapy has already been trialed on coronavirus patients in both Italy and China. At the Santa Maria uh, University Hospital in Udine, 36 people with pneumonia and respiratory failure were administered with ozone therapy. Only 3% required intubation and a ventilator compared to the usual 15%, with Dr. DeMont saying that the infusion of ozone helped to strengthen the patient's response to the effects of the infection. There are also four clinical trials underway, underway in China and provisional results have shown that ozone has been effective in preventing and controlling the virus. Three studies also being done on IV vitamin C therapy. And yet, I had to dig this out of what's called the Olive Press, 
uh, hardly a mainstream media source uh, here in America. In fact, it's not even an American media source. I've said on Vitality Radio before that I've had to look elsewhere for my information on this because we're not hearing about ozone therapy. And ozone therapy is used for a lot of things here in America. My dentist, my alternative-minded dentist, Dr. Paul Larson uses ozone therapy, and it's fantastic for uh, working on infections in the mouth. Now, we've talked about it at some length, and he's used it on me, and it's fan- it's it's amazing. It's easy uh, to do, and it is totally non-invasive, unlike ventilators, yet we're not talking about that. We're not talking about IV therapies with vitamin C. In fact, in America, all we hear is about a potential shortage of ventilators, which we, A, know are dangerous anyway, and B, have now proven to be dangerous, especially for COVID-19 patients. Let me remind you. 40 to 50% of people traditionally put on ventilators for other lung issues uh, will die. So most of these people, by the time they get to a ventilator, are very sick, and about half of them will die. But in coronavirus, COVID-19 patients, it's over 80% that die on a ventilator. And that would indicate either that they're just far more sick, which I don't see any evidence of that in what I've read, or that simply the ventilator is too strong for those people in their weakened condition and we need to look for alternatives. The CDC and the World Health Organization, along with Google and Facebook and other social media sites, have locked down information on alternative therapies. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has attacked people uh, as well as the, uh, the U.S. Marshals, and the U.S. uh, District Attorney, uh, there are a bunch of people coming after companies who are making quote-unquote false claims about their products uh, when they offer potential options like colloidal silver or vitamin C or um, ozone, for instance. And in fact, on Google and Facebook specifically, I've now heard Mark Zuckerberg, and I can't remember her name, but the head of, of YouTube, specifically saying that they are removing, actively removing posts and videos uh, from their sites that are recommending things for COVID that are not recommended by CDC or World Health Organization. Um, And that, to me, is a real, real problem. In Utah, uh, KSL News uh, reported that two Utah businesses were temporarily ordered to stop selling their colloidal silver supplements as federal prosecutors alleged the products were being fraudulently promoted as a way to potentially prevent COVID-19. I'm going to paraphrase what the owner of the company was saying. He said that if he were dealing with COVID-19, he would use colloidal silver. Uh, He also stated that uh, he believes it probably works for that. Now, he may have gone over the line because he's not promoting a drug. He's promoting a natural thing, and in natural uh, products, you cannot make claims against disease. So he did break a rule there uh, with the way that he stated that. However, this is what I'm the most concerned about. They quoted U.S. Attorney for Utah, John Huber, and he said, I am concerned that defendants' statements regarding COVID-19 encourage consumers to spend money on silver products with expectation that the products will prevent and or treat COVID-19. I am further concerned that such statements create a dangerous false sense of security. I want you to lock that into your head for a second. A dangerous false false sense of security and may lead consumers to forego traditional medical treatment if they experience COVID-19. 
symptoms and ignore potentially life-saving guidance from public health officials who advise travel restrictions and social distancing to avoid exposure to the virus. So his fear is that people will forego medical treatment and his other fear is that they will have a false sense of security and thereby, I guess, not do social distancing, not travel, that sort of thing. So hold on to that for a second. Here's the thing. What has medicine offered us with COVID-19? And by medicine, I mean CDC, the supposed authorities on this subject, uh, or even your local hospital. They've offered us hand washing, social distancing, and now Costco is mandating mask wearing. And under the Utah Leads Act that uh, Governor Herbert and Spencer Cox are rolling out, most businesses that have been deemed non-essential will be able to open with masks being worn. Yet we know that masks don't prevent coronavirus spread. Even the World Health Organization says so. And we also know that most masks are either being worn wrong or are the wrong kind. And we know that wearing a mask of any kind is not good for your health because it reduces your oxygen intake and increases your intake of CO2, which is bad for you and specifically bad for your immune system. But think about it. We're talking about breathing. And when we are dealing with COVID-19, that is the concern that we will no longer be able to breathe. So wearing masks on a consistent basis will weaken overall lung health by bringing in more CO2 and less oxygen. And yet, what does the mask really do? If it doesn't work and it probably hurts, and that's, I'm not alone on that opinion, but that is absolutely my opinion. If that's the case with masks, then what do they actually do? They provide a false sense of security. Why are we pushing a false sense of security on the public here in Utah through the governor and the lieutenant governor and major corporations like Costco are pushing a false sense of security in the form of a mask being worn in, on their premises, but not only a false sense of security, probably something that is harmful to the immune system. Why is that allowed? But someone talking about colloidal silver is not allowed. Why? All I hear is crickets because there's no good answer for it. Still a false sense of security. So we have places like the Balearic Islands that are using ozone therapy with excellent success. And yes, it's only on, I think, 85 patients so far. But 85 patients on a disease this new is still promise. Also, what do we know about ozone therapy? First, do no harm. It's the first part of the Hippocratic Oath. And these people who are pushing ventilators as an option over ozone are not living up to their oath because the ventilator we know does harm. We know it does, 100%. It could also save your life. So sometimes they're necessary. I don't discount that. But why aren't we trying ozone? Why aren't we trying IV vitamin C therapy? Why are we not trying colloidal silver? We know that colloidal silver on contact in a Petri dish will kill coronavirus. It's been proven. It's been proven to kill SARS, the first kind that was bumped up in 2003, in Petri dishes. That doesn't mean it kills it in humans. I know that. And I'm not saying that it does. In fact, I want to be very, very clear about this because I have to be, because people are actually being told, they're, they're being gagged in this country for saying things incorrectly 
or saying things that go against what the CDC and the World Health Organization says. I am not a doctor. I don't pretend to give medical advice. I don't want to be your doctor. I don't want that responsibility. I am not making claims that any alternative treatment, such as ozone, colloidal silver, vitamin C, vitamin D, olive leaf extract, or anything else will stop coronavirus and specifically COVID-19. I don't know if any of them do. It's too new. We don't know. What I am saying is that we have evidence, lots of it, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of studies over the years showing that these things do fight viruses. Viruses in general. And that means that they have potential merit against COVID-19. So why aren't we researching them? Why are we gagging people saying that maybe vitamin C or uh, colloidal silver or ozone could help with this? Why are we gagging those people instead of entertaining the idea that maybe they are right? We should be looking into this. I mean, my word, China, communist China is researching ozone for COVID, four different studies being performed. They're researching IV uh, vitamin C, three different studies being performed. But is anybody researching it here in the good old US of A, the once free and proud to be an American, home of the red, white, and blue, US of A, we're being gagged and told to shut up and sit in our place while we let the doctors take care of this. I'm not okay with that. I hope you aren't either. The CDC, the World Health Organization, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, they're all shutting this kind of talk down because they don't want to hear it. And the only thing I can figure is that about 70% of the revenue in marketing for these things come from the drug companies. The pharmaceutical cartel in this country, and I'm not talking the people that sell cocaine, I'm talking the people that sell Ritalin and antibiotics and flu shots. Those are the people that are in charge at the CDC and the World Health Organization. And then it comes down to social media, and then it comes down to people wearing masks, thinking they're protected with a false sense of security. And yet that kind of talk isn't being stopped. The talk about colloidal silver is. That's a problem. That is a problem. I highly recommend you dig around a lot deeper. Facebook and YouTube, they're doing their best to shut this stuff down, but there's so many people fired up as I am about it, putting it out there, that you can still find a lot of good information. Dig around, look hard, go on maybe duckduckgo.com instead of google.com. For one thing, Google doesn't deserve your money. DuckDuckGo, still independent, and generally speaking, I can find this stuff there. I have to go. I hope that that rant helped. If you have questions about anything you hear on Vitality Radio, call us, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662, Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful, where we strive to offer the proof that natural remedies do have benefit, that there are alternatives to drugs and surgeries and ventilators. We have to be very careful how we say that, 
because they want us to shut up. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is, that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns, naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662, that's 801-292-6662, or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Hello and welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair and it's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio podcast. I've got a treat for you with a wonderful guest coming up, but before I get to her, I would like to uh, let you know that Vitality Radio is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful. My family business has been around for almost 43 years, and uh, we are there to serve your health and nutrition needs. Give us a call if you have any questions about anything you hear on the show or anything that has to do with your health at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. If you have questions about anything you hear here or anywhere else regarding health, regardless of where you live, if you're within the sound of my voice, you can give us a call and we'll take care of you any way that we can. I sure appreciate anybody that's willing to listen to me talk about health and all these things I'm passionate about. I hope you enjoyed the rant earlier. I hope it uh, was thought provoking and useful to you. What I have coming next, I'm really excited about. I've known this next guest for a long time. And in fact, she was on Vitality Radio a long time ago. And uh, I, it's been too long since I've had her back. I We were just talking for got over two hours about my own personal needs right before we got on the air today. Uh, but we're going to talk about gardening. And we're going to talk about that because I have con- some concerns. Uh, one is I keep hearing about this possible significant disruption in the food supply with what's going on with COVID-19, coronavirus, all this stuff. Um, there is Whenever there is a crisis, there is the possibility that things will go south in all kinds of different ways. We've seen a disrupted toilet paper supply, uh, not as big of a deal as if you don't have food. And now there's the real potential that we may have issues here. Uh, with food supply coming in the next uh, weeks and months. And that is a crisis in and of itself. 
I was on Facebook uh, earlier today, and I was looking at uh, just jumping around, and I saw a friend of mine that used to live four doors up the street from me, um, and she posted this beautiful thing on Facebook about how things are kind of sketchy out there, a little scary, a little uncertain, and we all should be gardening. And that inspired me to talk to my friend, Buna Tomolino. She is a horticulturist, horticulturalist, that's a long word, and a garden guru. She calls herself a coach. I call her a guru. There are not questions you can ask about gardening that she can't give you an answer for that I've ever seen. She has the coolest little garden shop in the world. It's right here in Bountiful, Utah, just a couple of miles away from Vitality Nutrition. It is called Basil and Rose. Her website is Garden Inspire. Buna, welcome to Vitality Radio. Thanks for having me on, Jared. Great to be here. Absolutely. Now, I recently moved into a, a uh, new house, my family home that I grew up in, actually. I've been here since just uh, towards the middle of last summer. And mom used to have this great little garden in the corner. And uh, her mother, my grandma, had an amazing garden all the way up until she was about 86 years old. Uh, she grew that garden and had some of the most amazing things. And yet I somehow or another uh, lost the uh, green thumb and have done very, 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 very little in the garden. But you have been teaching me some things, and I wanted to share that with um, our listeners. So uh, that's why I invited you on today, and I'm really excited to have you here. Well, I'm so happy to be on. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if you're into gardening or not, uh, you that are listening out there, but it's important to understand where I'm coming from. I am all about clean eating and organic food, but I tend to count on other people, farmers markets and grocers that are carrying organic foods and local uh, growers and things like that to take care of my needs. But I believe self-sufficiency is one of those things that we all probably ought to get a little bit closer to, uh, especially with the state of things as they are today. And so I have committed to uh, growing my own garden uh, with, uh, you know, well, as little help as possible. I'm going to try and do most of the work myself. So if you're a brand new gardener like me, or if you are a seasoned veteran, I promise you can learn from what Buna has to say. So I want to ask you a few questions, uh, Buna. First off, you mentioned to me, and I thought it was really interesting, you know, this disruption in, in, flu, in food supply that is potentially uh, imminent now, um, that has to do with COVID and the lockdowns and all the other crazy stuff that's going on politically right now. But uh, you mentioned some other reasons why we suddenly might not be able to get certain types of food. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. And so a lot of the food in the U.S. has grown in the Midwest and California. And both of those places have had flooding and California has had drought and fire and orchards and farmland and things have been damaged or destroyed. And not only that, if there was a disruption in a road, let's say an earthquake, avalanche, whatever took out a road, then that makes it difficult for trucks to get through. Utah grows very little of the the food that we consume here. Yeah, and so there's we, we have this thing going on right now. And unfortunately, 
when we're in times of crisis, in many cases, it's too late, right? Preparation is a big deal. And uh, so I'm a little too late, maybe, uh, to get some of this stuff going, but uh, better late than never. Uh, one thing I loved about what you said is it doesn't really matter if it's spring or summer or fall. Uh, there's always something you can be doing uh, when it comes to gardening and can be learning. And uh, hey, we're not that far into the spring. We're just barely into May. So there's a, a lot of time here. So as far as gardening goes, one of the big excuses that I think people use and I have used in the past, depending on where I've been living, is I, I don't have space or I live in an apartment or a condominium. And you told me that's a bunch of bunk. Right. <laughs> so almost anybody can grow at least some of their own food. So I've had people say, I live in an apartment, condo, whatever. What do I do? You know, I can't grow anything. And I'll say, do you have houseplants? And a lot of times people do. So why not grow houseplants that you can eat? I have, even though I have land, I have houseplants. All of them are edible. I don't use supplemental lighting for them. And there's also sprouting and growing your own microgreens. Yeah, and I loved when you were telling me uh, about that earlier. This whole edible houseplant thing is awesome. And I, and I told you, it sounds like a foreign topic to probably most people, but you mentioned that there might be 20,000 different edible plants. Um, it's actually been a few years ago since I saw that number, so maybe they've discovered other ones. But just think during your lifetime what plants you see in grocery stores that you did not see when you were younger. There's more things discovered from other cultures that, you know, maybe we weren't aware of quinoa, you know, how long ago has it been that we just started hearing about that? So there's many different things that people in different parts of the world eat, maybe we don't even know about. Yeah. And of course, there's lots of things that grow here, uh, you know, quite, quite well. Uh, you mentioned uh, something that I thought was awesome, um, something about a lemon tree. Tell us about that. So one of my houseplants is a lemon tree that I've had for over 30 years. I actually moved it from Utah to Alaska and back again because I didn't want to give it up. And it actually produces lemons. Yes. That is so awesome. I thought that was amazing. We don't live in California, people. Here we are in Utah and uh, Buna is growing lemons in her house. I think that is the, like the coolest thing ever. Uh, so I love that. And you also mentioned that you can uh, grow things just in, in pots. Uh, you said, you know, house plants. You also mentioned to me edible landscaping. Talk about that for a minute. And, and also with plant or with pots, if you have a patio deck, porch, something like that, but as far as edible landscaping, that is just putting plants in various parts of your landscape that you can eat. So instead of growing a tree, shrub, perennial, annual, just because it's pretty, which is a good reason too, but why not grow a lot of those things that are actually things that you can eat? And there may be things already in your landscape that you think are just an ornamental that are edible that you didn't even know that they were. Yeah, I, th I think that's very, very cool. And I'm definitely going to look into that and have you coach me on a little bit about that, of that stuff. One thing that was very cool, and I have to, let me paint a little picture for you listening. If you've never been to Basil and Rose, which I anticipate most of you haven't, I feel ashamed. I admitted it. Uh, I actually left a review on uh, Verbuna store a couple of weeks ago, and I admitted that I had been invited to come up because I've known Buna for years now uh, and kept passing up the opportunity, which is ridiculous because I literally pass her store probably almost daily and uh, just hadn't taken the time to stop in. You know, I stay too busy sometimes. I think many of you can relate to that. 
But I stopped in and asked a few questions and ended up spending an hour learning about all kinds of things. Found the cutest stinking apron, uh, egg gathering apron for my kids. I found some delicious uh, freeze-dried pineapple that was just like perfect. Absolutely amazing. Tonight I was up there and grabbed myself some uh, uh, sour cherry chocolate sauce which I have to admit I tasted just a little bit of before we got on the air. And it's surprising the entire bottle's not gone. I'm going to have to be careful with that one. But everything from freeze dryers to freeze dried food to fermentation kits to heirloom seeds. And 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 one thing that I, I need to, well, in fact, I'm not going to mention, I'm going to let you take over for a minute. Your store, in terms of concept, when you decided to open up the store, what was the idea? What did you want to provide that you thought you could do uniquely? Well, I actually came up with the idea at least 25 years ago, and it started with the idea of being an herb shop. Now, not like Vitality at all, but focusing specifically on herbs, not vitamins or anything, but whether it was for culinary purposes or crafts or growing or fresh cut, anything like that, things decorated with herbs. And over time, I added the edible landscaping on organic supplies because organic gardening supplies it used to be that you couldn't find them in stores and now you can, but sometimes the people selling them don't use them so they don't know anything about them, but it's all that theme. So even if you want a glass decorated with dragonflies, that's still a gardening theme. And I also have a lot of things that are Utah companies and Utah artists that have that same kind of a theme. Yeah. And seriously, it's like an awesome garden shop because you can buy compost and vermiculite. And it's also an awesome gift shop because you can buy cards and uh, really cool candle holders and all kinds of stuff like that. It's really a really cool place. Let's get back to gardening though. Okay. You, I think you might've been the first one to mention this, but I, but I, to me, but there was somebody else I may have been reading about, but I'm just going to ask the question to till or not to till. So I've never tilled in my life. My dad grew up on a farm, loved driving a tractor. So that was something I grew up seeing all the time. But I can't remember at what point I learned more about what that does to the soil. So when you till, it actually damages some of the soil life. So like the microorganisms and things like that that are really important for the health of plants. It also can chop up uh, roots of things like bindweed and grass and things like that and spread it. It can bring weed seeds to the surface, and a lot of weed seeds need light to germinate. And so it's best if they're just kept buried. And then if you till to the same level, like six inches deep every time, it creates something called a hard pan. So it's a hard layer down there that roots and water have a hard time penetrating. So it's, in my opinion, it's just better not to till at all. Yeah, and I think that probably is another one that's a bit of a foreign concept, wouldn't you say, for most gardeners? Yes, it is, because yeah. we just think of plowing, tilling, that that's just something you do. Yeah, and I love so much, whether it's gardening or anything else in life, doing the thing that doesn't seem like the right way to go <laughs> and experimenting and trying to figure out if there's a better way, right? And uh, I feel like in life, oftentimes the way everybody does it is oftentimes not the way it should be done. Uh, and uh, so I love that idea. I've got a patch of, of uh, lawn, 
uh, where my mother's garden used to be. There's probably some great soil under there because she gardened there for years and composted and did all that good stuff. Um, but uh, I asked you what to do. Should I tear up the sod? Uh, should I till? And uh, you said, no, you just cut that lawn down and uh, real low. And then you talked me into raised uh, box gardening. Is that what you call it? Bo- raised boxes? Raised beds. Raised beds. There we go. And and why is that? Why would we want to raise bed versus uh, something, you know, in the dirt, uh, in the ground? So if you had a soil that wasn't very nice, let's say it's clay or sand or rocky or whatever, lots of weeds, then the raised bed, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff because you build the raised bed and you fill it with what is essentially a potting soil that you're making yourself that has a lot of really good compost in it. So it starts out weed-free. If you do get any weeds in it, it's really easy to get them out. Raised beds tend to warm up faster in the spring. So I would, in the past, when I um, worked somewhere where I had um, a bunch of coworkers, they would say, oh, I have to wait till my soil dries out so I can till and, and then plant. And I didn't have to do that. If there was snow on the ground, I just moved it out of the way and planted my peas or whatever. And so I didn't have that time to wait for soil to dry. Yeah, I, it, everything about it makes a lot of sense. And there's a little bit of prep work in advance. You've got to kind of build the boxes, but that's even pretty simple based on how you described that to me. You also talked to me, and this was really cool. And I want, I really do want to paint this picture uh, for people of, of how you do things. So I'm sitting up there talking to you at Basil and Rose. And you bring out this stack of cardboard, these little squares, and you lay them down on your on your floor, which happens to be a tiled floor that has one foot by one foot squares. And you lay them all down and we've got eight squares. So it's like two by four. Uh, and you said, this is what your, your your garden could look like. And the squares have like pictures of onions or lettuce or cabbage or whatever on in, and it you called it square foot gardening uh which what is not a concept you came up with you actually uh have a, a great book that talks about it at mendenhall is that right um mel bartholomew oh bartholomew well wow, i wasn't even close <laughs> okay uh I, I knew there was an me in there yeah so anyway mel bartholomew cool book i i looked through it I actually bought one from you and i'm excited about it because it to me it felt like when I looked inside the book, when I saw you actually get down on your hands and knees and show me how this stuff works, I didn't feel nearly as intimidated afterwards. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I think I could do this. This looks cool. So that's how I'll start is with a couple of boxes probably and, and you know, maybe uh, 10, 12 different things. Kind of see how that goes and move on from there. One other thing that I'm going to uh, brave up is uh, learning how to ferment uh, things correctly. In fact, I'm going to have a fermentation uh, specialist on the show here in the next uh, couple of months talking about that and even talking about doing some classes at Vitality and maybe even some classes up at uh, Basil and Rose, I think would be great on that. But anyway, the square foot gardening thing is very, very cool. Uh, What are the benefits of square foot gardening besides what appeared to me to be just an easier way to do it? So it's a specific kind of raised bed gardening, and I've done it for over 30 years, and I'm certified by the Square Foot Garden Foundation to teach it. And so it uses, it tells you exactly what to put in the mix that goes in the box and how to plant things like how many go in each square foot so you have things really well organized. 
and you don't plant in rows. So when you're planting this way, the plants are close together enough that it helps shade the soil out. So you don't have soil drying out faster. You don't have so many weeds growing. So seed packets will usually say something like plant three inches apart. And then people may do that. And then they may have 18 or 32 or whatever inches in between rows, which is just a lot of wasted space. So with this, you're doing the three inches apart, but you're doing it all the way around instead right. of that big gap. In a square instead of in rows. Uh-huh. And it makes a lot of sense. And I don't know if you can visualize it listening to us right now, but uh, when she laid it out like that, it made perfect sense. It looked it looked logical to me, which I think is why I felt less intimidated afterwards is because it just made sense. I think it's very, very cool. And then another thing that, of course, is near and dear to my part, my heart, is doing it the right way, uh, doing it clean. So first, let's talk about seeds. Can you uh, help us understand the different types of seeds, You know what an heirloom seed is, uh, what a hybrid seed would be, uh, what a genetically modified seed would be, some of that stuff? Okay, sure. So um, genetically modified seeds are seeds that farmers can buy. Just us as regular people can't buy them. But there are companies that try to make their seeds, the the way they grow them, they protect it against any cross-pollination from genetically modified. So they try to be more careful about that. And then hybrid seeds are seeds where two similar plants, related kind of plants, have crossed. And sometimes it happens in nature and they realize, hey, this is a great thing. We want to keep growing this particular kind of plant. And then sometimes they do it on purpose because maybe they want better disease resistance in that tomato or a plant that's going to store better or travel better. It's not about the flavor. And then the opposite of a hybrid is an open pollinated. An open pollinated means that if you grew that green bean, for example, then you could leave some of the beans on the plant so that they get brown and they're all ripe and they dry and you can save those seeds for the next year and you would be able to grow the exact same bean. Where if you did that with a hybrid, either the seeds would not grow or it would not be the same thing as what you expected. And then an heirloom means it's an open pollinated, but it's been passed down through generations. So maybe your great-grandfather grew a certain kind of um, pea that he really liked, and so he saved the seeds and handed them down through the family. So an heirloom is always an open pollinated, but an open pollinated is not always an heirloom. So usually what people really want is some kind of an open pollinated, whether it's heirloom or not, because they want to be able to save those seeds. Yes, and that's one of the big things when it comes to gardening and preparation and being uh, prepared for crises like the one that we're in now. Saving the seeds is a big deal, right? Right. So what um, in terms of like in, in my case, I'm starting a garden. Uh, you've given me some really excellent coaching. I bought a great book that uh, you recommended that I guess basically teaches the way that you do it. Um, I'll be calling you, you know, 40 or 50 times a day for a little while until I figure it all out. Uh, <laughs> all of that stuff I've sort of got a feel for. But let's talk about the hows and the whys of doing it organically. How can you do it organically? And and is it really more difficult than uh, doing it, I don't know, I guess conventionally? So I've grown things organically almost my whole life. My parents did that. 
Um, they didn't call it that. My dad was a university professor, um, taught poultry science. We had chickens. He'd clean out the chicken coop and put it on the garden. That was all that happened. I remember that they subscribed to Organic Gardening Magazine. So at some point I started reading it and that's where I originally started learning about it. And then I got a degree in horticulture where we did not learn about organic gardening. And I learned, you know, mostly the conventional kind of stuff. And so I had the opportunity to compare them in various ways. And with organic gardening, in my experience, I hardly have any pest problems because I am encouraging the beneficial insects or other creatures to help fight the pests for me. Another thing is with people, if we're not, if something's wrong with us, um, we're kind of worn down from stress, not getting enough sleep, not eating healthy, we're more susceptible to getting illness. So the same thing with a plant. If you keep the soil healthy, that helps keep the plant healthy and it's more resistant to disease and pests. They're just not as attracted to it. So some ways that I do that is I use a lot of compost. It's adding not only organic matter, which is especially important in the arid west, but also there's microorganisms in that compost. And the microorganisms in the soil, they find more about all the time. So it's not just the things you can see like earthworms, but there's other creatures we don't see that help fight disease of plants that some become like an extension of the plant's roots to help the plants get water outside the root zone. If you're using synthetic fertilizers and pesticides, you're killing off some of that stuff. So you have less healthy soil and more healthy plants. Right. And if you listen to Vitality Radio on any kind of regular basis, you've heard me talk about the exact same thing with the human body in terms of the gut. The more uh, chemicals we use, including things like pesticides and herbicides on our food, uh, the more damage we do to the microorganisms within our body, which help to promote the healthy immunity that we want, the healthy uh, the bodies that we want. So the soil uh, is very much like uh, what's going on inside of our bodies as far as that goes. So that in and of itself is is the reason uh, to go organic, in my opinion. But then, of course, we're also not exposing ourselves to extra chemicals that we certainly don't need. Uh, so we're protecting the soil, we're protecting the plant, and then we're protecting, uh, I guess we could say, the soil within our bodies, uh, the microbiota uh, within the body. So absolutely uh, critical stuff. Uh, one other thing too, because we're, we're running short on time and what I'm going to do, if you're, if you're fascinated by the stuff that Buna is sharing, and, and I hope you are, because I think this is really critical, really important, but also I'm getting really excited about it. So I'll share with you my successes and failures in my own garden as we go forward. But now that Vitality Radio is not just a uh, hour long show on Saturday, and I have some uh, access to more, um, you know, I can put out whatever I want, whenever I want. Uh, Buna and I have already decided that we're going to do some stuff just podcast only, just on gardening. Now, I don't want to make a promise as to when those things will post, but keep an eye on Vitality Radio, the podcast. If you want to hear more about it, I will always post it on social media when those things come up. If you subscribe to uh, on one of the podcast players, of course, it'll pop up and tell you, hey, there's a new episode. And uh, I always make it very clear what the episode's about so that you can tune into the ones that you're the most interested in. I understand that your time is valuable. So we're going to get into more details on all this, but I really wanted to give 
a, a little bit of a scattershot approach here of, of all the bits and pieces of the basics, but we'll go to go into more details, give you more information moving forward. So the last thing I want to mention, because I think it's important right now, we're in the beginning of May and I have apple blossoms on my trees and I have dandelions in my yard, in my grass and things like that. And if you are wanting to take care of your yard and you want it to look pretty and you don't want the weed problems and things like that, it's very tempting to go get all the killers, uh, your roundups and things like that. And yet, again, if you listen to Vitality Radio, you know that I will tell you to run the opposite way if you ever see the word roundup. Uh, so Buna is awesome as a resource, as someone who can help you have a healthy yard as well as a healthy uh, garden. Talk to us just for 30 seconds to a minute about that. So um, besides Roundup, there's something called 2,4-D that is the weed killer for lawns. And I think it's worse than Roundup. So you can still control weeds in your yard. Actually, first you might want to find out which ones you can eat. So at least if you're pulling them up, you can eat them. But there are things you can use on your lawn besides just pulling things up that are not dangerous for you or pets or children that you can still use to help control weeds. Yes. And part of that is just like just knowing proper lawn care, for example. And and you can help people with this. This might just sound like an advertisement for basil and rose, and I hope that it doesn't quite come off that way, but I'm really thoroughly impressed with, I've always been impressed with Buna. She's a walking encyclopedia of this stuff. But the store experience is awesome because what I've tried to build uh, that my parents started at Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful is a place where it is safe to come and ask your hard questions about health and nutrition and not feel foolish and not feel like you're burdening us with your, you know, the time that we have to take to answer those difficult questions. And that's exactly how you feel when you go to Basil and Rose. It's like you're talking to someone who, A, absolutely knows what she's talking about. B, is thrilled to share her knowledge with you. And C, has the advice that you need uh, to do these things. And so I highly encourage you to call Basil and Rose but better than calling is going in person, uh, checking it out. It's uh, in Bountiful and uh, not too far from Vitality. So if you're coming up to Vitality, maybe save a little extra time to uh, drop in and see Buna at Basil and Rose. Uh, Buna, I really appreciate the time, the expertise, the information. Will you please tell people how to reach you? Oh, sure. And thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So Basil and Rose, um, it's basilandrose.com. And Garden Inspire is my garden coaching website, and that's gardeninspire.com. Basil and Rose is located at 2110 Orchard Drive in Bountiful. And you can find a lot of information, hours, whatever, on the website. And certainly give us a call, shoot us an email, anything like that. But most important, yeah, come in. We're open Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 6, and Saturday, 10 to 4. Oh, and I got to tell you one thing. Uh, while while uh, Buna's still here, she has these amazing little books, but the coolest thing she's got, and I'm actually picking some up from her this week because I'm going to take my kids. You know, everybody's been got cabin fever, and now we have springtime. It's just going to be absolutely beautiful the next week or so from what I could see in the forecast. She's got these little card stacks. I don't know how else to describe them, but they're, they're about the size of playing cards, and they have pictures of herbs 
uh, to help you identify them in the wild. Tell us a little bit about the cards because you have two different sets. Right. So they have a photograph on the front, a color photograph, and on the back, a physical description, edible use, and medicinal use. And these are all plants you can find in Utah in the wild, and some of them all over the place, not just Utah, but they should be readily available in the Intermountain West also. They're printed on plastic, so they're waterproof and tear-resistant, and they have a little ring on them. And there's two decks. There's different plants in each one. So if you just wanted one, um, ideally you'd want both, but you know, maybe down the road, get both if you can't do it at once. Yeah, they're they're really cool. I'm excited to take my kids out and start identifying these things. Uh, and remind me, uh, am I correct in thinking that you took these pictures? I did. Yeah. So they're all pictures you took here in Utah of plants that we can find uh, growing in the wild. Right. And I also do wilder walks where I take people out in small groups and um, help them see in person what those are. Yeah. And I mean, just, you just have to check this out. If you're into herbs, if you're into plants, if you're into gardens, if you're into any of that kind of stuff, really, really cool. If you're someone who is a homeschooler or uh, forced into being one at this moment, um, it's an awesome resource. Uh, go get a stack of cards and uh, take your kids out and sh- uh, on a hike and show them uh, what's what, uh, so to speak. Anyway, I've got to go. I've gone way too long. Buna, it's been a pleasure having you on. Buna Tomolino from GardenInspire.com and Basil and Rose, thank you so much for joining us on Vitality Radio. Well, thank you so much, Jared. It was a pleasure. Okay, so I'm going to have to wrap up the show because we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, Vitality Radio is not just a radio show anymore. We are a podcast. And we're on uh, every week. There's a new show on Saturday on all the major podcast apps. You can also check us out, vitalityradio.com, if you want to listen that way. Um, And we drop a vintage episode every Wednesday. That's a show that's been recorded in the last two to three years that I think still has value to you. And then we'll be dropping bonus episodes, including some on gardening very soon. So if you'll jump on any of your podcasts, podcast apps uh, you choose. And if you don't mind dropping us a five-star rating and review, if you love the show and sharing it so we can get the word out to more people, we'd greatly appreciate it. Of course, Vitality Radio brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, 107 South, 500 West. Call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Check us out at vitalityradio.com. I am Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. 
Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you. During this COVID-19 challenge, Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful now offers curbside pickup. Just call 801-292-6662. We will take your order by phone and have it ready when you get to our parking lot. We can also ship product to most of Utah next day. Give us a call at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Thank you.